again, new friends. Come one, come all to the first episode of The Real Drivers of Formula One. If you listened to my introductory segment, thank you. If you did not, I mentioned that I'm a rookie fan to the sport, um, and maybe you are too. So welcome, 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 welcome to this journey. If you're an expert or a longtime fan, then thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Just kidding. Thank you for listening to this rambling. On this first episode, I wanted to give a very brief history of F1 and go over the important basic rules and objectives of this sport. If you're going to be following along with my recap episodes, um, again, that's recaps of Netflix's Drive to Survive please pay attention so you'll understand the racing part. Again, this is for the newbies slash rookies and get the full picture, not just the vibrant, charming, and sometimes very stern personalities we're going to meet from this series. Listening along will give you a greater appreciation of what these athletes and their teams really go through to be the best in the world. The shortest history of F1. So the year of founding, or when was F1 founded? The official inaugural season that had the first world championship was in 1950, a while ago. However, racing has been around well before that, even starting in the 1890s. So, zam. How many teams were there back then? Um, So in 1950, there were 14 teams and actually some privately competing cars. So when was the first Grand Prix? The first race ever called... The Grand Prix was in 1901 at the French Grand Prix in Le Mans, um, spelled L-E space M-A-N-S, Le Mans. In my ignorance, I didn't even realize it was a French term, but like, duh. (laughs) The first official Grand Prix of F1 was on May 13th at Silverstone, which for those who don't know is the British Grand Prix. Um, And there were actually only six more races the rest of that season. How many Grand Prix were there per year? Again, I just mentioned there were seven, um, and then this steadily increased. If you do or do not know, the budget for this racing sport is incredibly ridiculous. I tried to look up how much it was back then. Um, I couldn't really find a standard number, but if I had to put in just a guess, I would say around 700000 give or take. Maybe under a million, which is still a lot of money in 1950. And here is the shortest summary of F1 today. So, fast forwarding to the 2000s, the usual amount of Grand Prix are 23. Um, Of course, there is the exception of 2020, and there were only 17. Thanks, COVID. Even though COVID's still happening, but they have somehow made it work. Where are these Grand Prix held? A lot of countries have participated over the years. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through the 2021 schedule, which has, in fact, 21 countries. Uh, Again, that's scheduled. Due to COVID, it might be having um, some canceled. We have Bahrain, Italy, Spain, Monaco, Azerbaijan, Canada, France, Austria, Great Britain, Hungary, Belgium, Netherlands, Russia, Singapore, Japan, USA, Mexico, Brazil, Australia, Saudi Arabia, and Abu Dhabi. F1 can also make contracts with other circuits and change the schedule each season. Maybe you do or do not know, but by now, they just scheduled a Miami circuit next year, 2022. Bienvenido a Miami. Uh, So how many teams compete today? 
Now, there are 10 teams, and I'm going to use their short names. I will be naming these in their order of finishing at the end of 2020 season. So the number one team was Mercedes. Number two, Red Bull, McLaren, Ferrari, AlphaTauri, Aston Martin, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Williams, and coming in last, Haas. The average budget of team cars was about 300 to 500 million dollars for the top teams. However, there is now on this season a 145 million dollar budget cap. So now those top teams have literally cut their budget in over half. Um, so this is supposed to be basically leveling the playing field, quote unquote. So hopefully we can see some um, more exciting racing if these cars can all keep up. This change is going to come up in one of the later Netflix recap episodes as well. Each of these 10 teams that I just mentioned have two main drivers each. Some teams will also have reserve drivers. Those guys will jump in whenever necessary, like sickness or injury, etc. Each Grand Prix weekend is really nicknamed race slash racing week uh, because there's not just one race involved and that's it. There are pre-race interviews, media promotion, etc. in the couple days leading up to the weekend. And then that's when the real action happens. So we begin the weekend with free practice sessions on Fridays and Saturday mornings. Practices are needed because each track is unique and the cars are not created equal, as I just mentioned, with those crazy budget caps. The drivers need to get used to it. Really, they need to get used to that circuit. The cars will react differently to different tracks, plus the tire type will make a difference with the weather. Uh, just a little side note, they spell tire, and when I say they, I mean everyone involved in the company or a fan of Formula One. Uh, tire the British way, which T-Y-R-E. I stupidly thought there was something special about it. I mean, they are special tires, but it's just the British way of spelling it. The Italian company Pirelli is the sole supplier, and there are five main categories of tires. You have your hard, medium, and soft for dry conditions, and then we have our intermediate and wet for the wet track conditions. There are three total free practice sessions during which the drivers are going to attempt to get used to these turns, these straightaways, their possible pace or lap time, and how to improve. There is data on like every statistic you can think of for these drivers, the cars, and the tracks themselves. The teams are constantly going through data to try and improve. Moving on to Saturday, it's qualifying day or quali for those who love to cut down syllables. This qualifying lasts about an hour uh, total starting at 2 p.m. Qualifying will determine the driver's positions behind the starting line or the official term, the grid. Many say that quality is more important than the race itself. Others will say it depends on the track because that first turn can be an advantage depending on what side of the grid the driver starts from or other factors. The first round of quality is called Q1. It's about 20 minutes long and all 20 drivers really need to drive their little hearts out to get out a fast lap. This is not racing against each other. This is solely about the lap time. The slowest five drivers are then eliminated like a knockout round and then destined to start their positions at 16 through 20 or the back of the grid. Womp womp. So now we get to Q2. 
The previous Q1 lap times do not count for anything here. The top 15 drivers are going to fight it out again for the fastest lap in a 15-minute span. And again, those slowest five are eliminated from Q3 and will take positions 11 through 15, depending on their times. The last session, Q3, is only 10 minutes long. And you guessed it, the top 10 drivers are going to duke it out again. And the drivers will usually only get two track runs to get that fastest lap. What happens with these final results? So the final first place qualifier will get that front spot, which is commonly known as pole position. The first driver will usually start at the top left. The second place person is just a couple feet back on the right side of them. The third is directly in line behind first place, but on the left and a few feet back again, and so on and so forth. So it's a little staggered. So quality is really important in determining the race result, especially if the track is not wide enough to allow for quote-unquote overtaking, which means passing the driver in front of you. An example of this is the Monaco Grand Prix, which is probably the most famous or most likely heard of, which is driven in the streets. Ah! Uh, this makes it almost impossible to pass a driver unless you're really skilled and very careful. And now we get to race day. Sunday is the big day. The start times may vary slightly, but it will always start in the early afternoons, sometime between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. of their local time. The drivers will line up in their order on the grid of how they're supposed to go, but first they need to perform formation laps. The drivers will go around the track at a slow speed, usually around 30 to 75 miles per hour, behind what's called a safety car. This lap or laps are to ensure the track conditions are safe, there's no dangerous problems with the cars or the circuit, and then it's going to lead them right back to their positions at the grid for a standing start. How many laps are there, Karen? So good question. The race length is basically the smallest number of complete laps that will exceed 305 kilometers. There is an exception, which is Monaco, and the race length is actually 78 laps, which sounds like a lot because it's so much shorter. It really only ends up being 260.5 kilometers. Of course, there are occasionally some races that are shortened due to special circumstances. What is the average length of a race? So it's about 90 minutes. The official rules say that the race will not go over two hours because that's just dangerous for the drivers and other reasons. However, if this limit is reached, the race will be ended at the end of the next full lap. The only exception is if the race is halted by a red flag, and I will go over what that means as well. Including red flag stoppage time, then the race really cannot exceed four hours. Safety car, I just mentioned, will control the pace of the cars with the race leader following. This is used for the formation laps mostly, but also if there's an incident like collisions where the cars need to slow down for safety. F1, if you ever hear this, please let me drive that safety car one day. I promise you, I will do a good job. Anyway, the biggest reasons for yellow flags or red flags are to slow down the race, a collision in which you cannot drive past or is really dangerous, God forbid, results in a death, is going to stop the race. Depending on how serious it is, they will keep going again, but uh, the race is halted. Yellow flags will slow it down, and sometimes that safety car will come up, but you have to pay attention to the yellow flag if you're a driver. 
So there are penalties with this sport, just like every other sport. And as this sounds, this can have punishments, quote unquote. There is usually seconds added to the final time, which in a sport were milliseconds or thousands of seconds, thousands of seconds count. That could be devastating. Or they might actually make you serve these seconds in the pit lane when you're stopped. And then the team cannot work on your car for however many seconds they say. Or even more severely, they might even take points away from the driver. There are so many rules that I can't get into today, but there are a bunch of reasons why a driver might get a penalty. As I briefly just mentioned, the pit lane. The drivers can tires pulling into the lane, which is the little area outside of their garage, um, where the team mechanics will wait for that driver to pull up. There is a whole strategy for choosing tires to race with, when to pit, etc. But it's just way too detailed to go uh, into for this overview. Now we have reached the race. As I mentioned before, the 20 drivers are going to drive for however many laps are assigned to the circuit. Literally anything can happen in a Formula One race. I repeat, anything. The first turn I personally think after watching a few races might be the most quote-unquote dangerous which is to me when the most cars are closest together and they're trying to really claw past the guy in front and even the guy next to them to get that best position so you can imagine there's a bunch of collisions right there you can figure out what happens the rest of the next 90 minutes or so but the final positions crossing that checkered flag are what matter in terms of the objective results to get on the podium, you must finish first, second, or third. So that's when they have their little celebrations um, and that famous song that I don't remember the name of, and they spray champagne on each other. Just getting on the podium is a huge achievement. There is no turning your nose at, oh, that person got third place. No, 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 no. These are the 20 best drivers in the world. So getting first, second, or third is a huge achievement, in my opinion. Positions one through five seem to be the most important. Uh, six and seven are good, maybe not great. And then we have eight through 10, which are great for those mid-level teams or struggling teams that really need to get some points. However, if you're a top team like Mercedes, of course, you do not want anything less than a podium. And of course, those other teams want podiums, but they are more realistic. You know, if you have a Haas finishing fifth, that is a huge, that's basically a win for them. And that's not that's not shade. That's just, we want the cars to do better than last place, of course. When drivers cross the line, what happens, Karen? Well, they are awarded points. Uh, this is how we determine how we get a world champion. It's not just one race champion. There is a world championship at the end of all 23 races. The points are awarded as follows from first to 10th, respectively. 25 points, 18, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, and 1 little point. This might seem like a huge difference, and if a driver is constantly on the podium, <clears throat> Lewis Hamilton, then it is a huge difference. However, everything is really up for grabs in these races, especially this season. Watch out, Max Verstappen. The final result of all points added up will name us a driver's world champion. And since the team have two drivers, their points are combined and then attributed to the team itself, which is fighting for a constructor's championship. All F1 fans hope for an exciting season, but it seems like 2021 might take the cake. 
of maybe the newer generation. Of course, I'm sure Netflix is eating up all this quote-unquote drama happening right now, and I freaking cannot wait to watch when it comes out, and I hope you can't wait either. And that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to me attempt to explain F1 in a large, long-winded nutshell. I hope you continue to tune in with my Drive to Survive recaps and any other topics I decide to cover in my episodes. Good morning, and in case I don't hear from you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, my new friends.